this is Craig Weberg, Senior Editor for MGMA, and welcome to this MGMA Industry Insights Podcast. Today, I'm joined by coding expert Jackie Johnson, President and Owner with Practice Integrity. Jackie will be speaking at our online seminar, Coding Essentials for the Non-Coder, on February 5th. Her session is titled, Maximizing Revenue Through Correct Diagnosis Coding. You can find out more about this online seminar at mgma.com events. Jackie, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Thank you, Craig, for the opportunity. My name is Jackie. I've been in the healthcare business side of healthcare arena for just about 30 years now. And I've had an excellent opportunity throughout these 30 years to work in small practices. I've worked with large hospitals and their medical groups. And I've had opportunity to work for internal audit with large hospitals as well. Currently, I um, am president owner of a small consulting firm, Practice Integrity, where we concentrate our efforts on education and audit. What we're looking to do primarily is compliance audits for physicians and physician practices and be able to provide with them education on risk and documentation issues that um, often come up during the audit process. Um, Again, 30 years, and I have been so fortunate to also have experience in many different specialties and different arenas, and I find myself very lucky to have found um, healthcare in my career line. I'm very fortunate. Okay, so your session at that conference is going to be talking about diagnostic codes and and the importance. Uh, In previous conversations we've had, you're talking about how diagnostic coding can sometimes be a misunderstood aspect of correct coding, and that they are a key element in uh, in all the claims that support medical necessity and the documentation severity of condition. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, the implications of that, of, of not having those correct diagnosis codings? Just go over that for us. Absolutely. Sure. So typically during an audit, and I'm speaking prior, primarily now to the, um, what I would call the Part B side or the physician side, when we do audits, typically we're very concerned about CPT codes because for years, that's how payment comes in. It's the RVU. It's the CPT code with more or less, um, if the diagnosis code looks good, it's acceptable. But what we're seeing now, number one, when we got our ICD-10 a few years back and we look at the extreme number of code sets that we have now compared to what we had, we can see that there's more of an emphasis to truly describe each patient encounter very carefully. This rule also applies to any type of facility type of coding. We really want to describe what is happening with the patient at the time of that encounter or the time of that stay. This ties directly to medical necessity, medical severity. When we think about physicians and where they spend a lot of their time, they have many office visits. And we often think about the levels of service and CPT codes. In my opinion, that level of service or office visit code will easily describe what the provider feels they did that day, how hard they think they were working. But the diagnosis code will always reflect how hard they truly worked if the provider will truly take the time to describe the patient 
at the time of that encounter and be very specific as to the level of severity and the specificity, meaning describing anatomical structures correctly, describing if there are comorbidities, describing if the patient has any risk factors um, in either their lifestyle or in their any other disease processes, anything that makes that provider have to think harder. That's what these diagnosis codes are doing is showing how many things did the provider have to think about. And on the facility side, it is describing what all the providers had to consider when they were seeing this patient as an inpatient, all the different um, elements. And this means if that patient has had surgery before, um, again, any comorbidities, any risk factors to this patient. So I think there's a great opportunity to clearly describe severity. And this makes it much easier to match up with the CPT code. And it describes how hard that provider's working. And it also describes that provider's patient population. So when we think about managed care networks, um, even the Medicare managed care networks, and we're thinking about a population that this provider has to um, take care of, it's saying on a daily basis, I work pretty hard. I see patients with multiple comorbidities and the conditions that I'm treating are complicated. And I've been able to describe that with these codes and yes, you'll find it in my documentation, but here's a really clear way to quickly describe what I'm having to deal with on a daily basis. So I just think we've never looked at it from that perspective and there is a great opportunity here to describe a lot of things with some codes. I really like the way that you um, framed that by saying how much, do, how much more does it make the physicians and the providers think? What are the, all the mm -hmm. elements that need to come in there? I think that that really, you know, helps it me does. clarify what uh, the specificity of the level of coding mm -hmm. that you need to accurately Because uh, that's document. really what they're doing. <laughs> yep. we, this is their way to describe what I had to think about. So do you, have you seen in practices and with providers um, people struggling with this? You know, I know ICD-10 now is um, a couple of years old. Have you seen mm -hmm. people struggle or conversely, you know, figure out a, gr a good way to uh, accurately uh, implement a, an ICD-10 diagnostic coding program? Are there some yes. practices? I think, yes, I think there's a big struggle. Um, I can tell you what I've seen and what I've heard, and they, are, they go together. They co-line very nicely. And typically when I'm providing education, it's coming from the providers. So we'll have to remind ourselves in most physician offices, there is an electronic health record, an electronic medical record, and the provider is completing the documentation. And at that time, they're typically, they're responsible for selecting the diagnosis code. So I can easily stand in front of them and educate just very similar to what I just said about how important it is to do this and show how hard you're working. However, the electronic record makes it very cumbersome to select a diagnosis code. So at that point, when they're remembering everything I've said and they can truly understand it's important, 
suddenly the world stops for them and they are going through this electronic record and trying to find trying to find these multitude of conditions I've asked them to be very specific about and all the comorbidities. So the struggle is actually doing it, operationally fulfilling this task. They may have put it in the medical record and the documentation is great. However, when the claim goes through, that's where we want to see it. And they're having a hard time connecting the dots there. Now, in some practices, they might have um, a scribe or someone working with them to accomplish this task. And in those instances, what I have seen and what I have heard is that this person will sometimes pull in a problem list, um, just all, that, all the diagnoses this patient's ever been seen for in, their, in the past with this provider. The issue I'm seeing with this and the providers are echoing what I'm seeing is it often reflects diagnosis that were not even addressed during that encounter. So now that's a risk on your audit. It's a risk on a claim. Your claim is identifying diagnosis that were never addressed so your documentation won't back it up. There, I have yet to find a practice, and I am being honest in that answer, I have yet to find a practice that has found a easy way an efficient way to accurately pull diagnosis codes from their system that reflect everything that was addressed during that day because we are trying to be efficient, move through the practice, and even if they have a scribe or someone who is allowed to help them pull this information, it's still not being done correctly. And this is something I'm seeing continuously on audits throughout all specialties, different states across the board. So there is a struggle. And I don't think it's that they don't want to do it. They understand how this can be helpful, but it is a struggle to get it done correctly. Yeah, it's, as you mentioned, it's both super complex as well as the EHRs are not properly designed right. in order for them to find those diagnostic codes. Exactly. I think another part, I'm just going to tag on to that. Absolutely. Another struggle is that a lot, you know, as a, you know, I'm a coder by trade. I'll use that phrase. So when I see this ICD-10 book, I embrace it. A provider is not going to embrace it the same way. And there are many rules. And I think there's an opportunity to find an easier way to let providers know the opportunity of the the, the number of codes that are in here, the things that we can describe. I think, and I'm going to digress on this because it's such a big topic right now, I think we need to get over, and I say we as an industry, the stigma attached to um, patients who, uh, opioids and patients who have become addicted because this is such an important topic now. I think we need to be able to address that better and providers need to not be um, concerned if the diagnosis code suggests um, things that might be bothersome. There are ways to describe patients who are not being compliant with their medications, and I've heard that some providers are uncomfortable using those types of codes, um, but I think we really have to describe what that provider is up against on a daily basis. And there are ways to do this, but there's a lot of stigma attached to a lot of these codes. Have you seen any movement from the uh, EHR vendors to help 
with this process? Have you seen kind of the demand for the users of different health yeah. systems to try to make their systems easier when it's regard with, with this regard? Right. What I am hearing from the practices is that they are urging and asking. I have not had an opportunity. I have at some conferences had a chance to talk to some vendors about what they're doing. And I can see that, I guess I should say what I'm hearing is that they see the need. And I do believe that we will see progress. Your session in Las Vegas is, is titled Maximizing Revenue Through Correct Diagnosis yes. Coding. And uh-huh. you, know, you talk about denials and other missed revenue opportunities. And I think mm-hmm. you know, in, in our discussion, <clears throat> we have talked about the need to accurately document the work and the level of um, work that's being done by the providers. But could you talk a little bit about what those, you know, the claim denial, like how much does mm-hmm. diagnostic coding um, errors uh, you know, um, how many how many denials can be attributed to those incorrect diagnosis coding, and, and what are the other missed revenue opportunities that you're talking about? Sure. So a couple of different things. We do look at medical necessity, so we do want a diagnosis code that makes sense for that CPT code. So denials that we've always seen, even back with ICD-9, was a diagnosis code that had no relevance to that CPT code, an x-ray of a wrist with a diagnosis of abdominal pain. You know, these sort of things, they're the ones that are a little bit easier. So easier to catch, but is it being catched? Is the person working in your office who is reviewing claims payment, recognizing that, being able to correct it, refiling it, and receiving the proper payment versus saying, oh, it's a denial, done. Those are the simple ones, but they still should be looked at very carefully to make sure that they're um, absolutely being refiled because that was a simple error that should have been corrected on the front end. The other one that we're seeing now with the implementation of ICD-10, and I'm hearing this from various specialties. I've heard it in particular in orthopedics, and I think this is the first time we're getting claims denials for unspecified codes. Um, I had heard that it was going to happen, and, you know, we had our grace period that first year of ICD-10, and I think many payers were collecting data and kind of looking at where they might want to begin looking for risk going forward, and we are now seeing claims denial, line-item denials for codes that are unspecified. So in particular with orthopedics, there's a great opportunity to identify by anatomical structure and laterality exactly where something is. Now, you may not know the exact nature of the problem or all the condition, but you can identify was the right side or the left side. And if it was upper extremity, lower extremity, and key into these unique, (laughs) you know, that's a great opportunity And when providers are not doing that and the claim is not scrubbed on the front end, we are seeing denials for unspecified codes. And it's that sort of difference from what we were used to with ICD-9 that I think is causing a dilemma and is causing individuals to work harder on the back end if they're not insisting for with their providers that we capture this on the front end 
So when I'm doing audits, that's something I'm looking for. And other auditors as well. I'm certainly not alone in that. We've learned as auditors that this is something we need to look for very carefully and educate immediately um, that this needs to be corrected. From the perspective of the future, and this is, I'll be honest, this is a hard sell because we have a change in payment systems coming. We have, you know, we have the MIPS, macro, you know, so many different acronyms, but the gist of most of these is going to be quality. And we're looking at diagnostic codes to drive this payment. So we're going to have to become more specific. And if that's not happening, and you're not identifying these structures, then there will be missed revenue. And that's something we're going to see. Um, something else to consider is that with, with a difference in payment structure, payers are looking at providers and they are creating somewhat of, uh, they're looking at them from the perspective of what types of patient population do they have? And they could very easily set a payment structure on that. So if all your diagnostic codes are what I would call of more of the, the simple, easier ones, unspecified, that's not going to show your strength versus describing very clearly the complexities. And I think the more that provider can be very careful in, their, in the way they describe their population, it's certainly going to show how hard they work. And that's something that we will need to look at in the future as far as payment models. Well, that makes sense. So I think I'm going to close today's session by just asking, asking you, Jackie, if you have any additional words of advice for the listeners about diagnostic coding, anything, any resources that they could, uh, you know, view to help them figure out how to best. Uh, sure. Their, their, their system. <laughs> you know, the thing is when it comes to resources and coding, Everybody knows this is probably the most least exciting reading you could ever do. Um, don't ever save this for late night thinking, oh, I'll just catch up on this because um, that's not going to work for you. But the best resource, honestly, are the official coding guidelines found in your ICD-10 book, and they can be found online as a separate PDF. There are guidelines that are unique and specific to each of the chapters in ICD-10 and there are general coding guidelines. Um, again, not your most entertaining reading. However, every single rule you need is right there. And within those rules, you start to understand when you're not applying them correctly, where you could be creating denials for yourself. The rules are very specific about um, priority encoding and the necessity of specificity. So I think that's just a nice start. And again, not exciting reading, but very, very important reading and downloadable in a PDF form, quite easy to get to. Thank you, Jackie, for sharing these insights. Before we close, I'd like to remind you that Jackie will be sharing more information on diagnosis coding on February 5th at the MGMA online seminar, Coding Essentials for the Non-Coder. Her session is titled Maximizing Revenue Through Correct Diagnosis Coding. To learn more about the online seminar, visit mgma.com slash events. And thank you for your time. Thank you so much for the opportunity.